You're listening to Disruptive Dialogues on the Future of Religion. Our aim is to provide listeners tools for a conversation on how religion is changing and being affected by society. I'm your co-host, Troy Shepard. I'm an app developer and a business entrepreneur and a researcher on cultural trends related to religion and community. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Heidi Campbell, a professor of communication at Texas A&M University, where I study the intersection of religion, media, and digital technology. Welcome, and let's dive into today's conversation. Well, welcome back to Disruptive Dialogues on the Future of Religion. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce one of my research collaborators and a former student of mine, Wendy Beller. Wendy has studied cell phones and mobile phones and how people have used them to pray. But um, more recently, she's actually moved into the world of technology, and I'll let her tell you a little bit about that. So, Wendy, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So first of all, Wendy, can you tell the folks a little bit about what your kind of research focus was and kind of where you've transitioned to kind of recently and the things that you're looking at? Yeah, sure. So my research focus was really looking at the relationship between design and use and how that impacts the way that we understand the relationship between technology and religion. So how is technology designed? How is it used? How do those things interact? What is the relationship between those things? And then how does that inform the way that we understand religious identity, community, authenticity, all of those key things that come up when we look at religion and technology and digital culture? So that was my focus. My dissertation looked at religion and media, looking specifically at Catholic and Islamic prayer applications. So I looked at how prayer applications were designed and then how they were used and how that then impacted issues of identity and community and how people understood themselves as spiritual beings while bringing a technological tool into their daily practices. So that was my research focus. And then I recently moved out of the world of academia. I'm now studying how people use bank applications. So I'm actually working in the corporate world. I work for JP Morgan Chase and I look at how people make payments and how design uh, gives them access to the actions that they want to take and how we maintain their security and privacy and all of those things while they're using our apps. Well, and it's exciting to see how kind of the research you've done into kind of design usage has kind of not just academic um, kind of implications, but also real world implications and giving you some diversity and options in the job market. Um, but today we're going to move and talk about this new book that uh, Wendy and I have actually co-authored together and it was really fun. It's always fun for me to be able to kind of collaborate with people, but especially students and especially people I've been talking about research ideas with for years. So this new book is called Digital Religion, The Basics. So Wendy, could you tell our listeners um, a little bit what this book is about? Yeah, so Digital Religion, the Basics is really kind of introductory text to anyone who's interested in the way that technology and religion interact with each other and and how one influences the other. And we're really looking at key characteristics of digital religion, what it means to engage in religious practice through technologies. And so we're really looking at these relationships of design and use in religious contexts and how that helps us understand who we are as religious beings and communities and how we practice religion in our daily lives. So this book is really good for freshmen who are in a, you know, introductory 
class to kind of leap into the world of digital religion, kind of understand these broader concepts of multiple realities, religious identity, community, authenticity, all of those things that come into play whenever we're mixing religion and technology and trying to understand that digital culture. So it's this book has been really fun to write, partially because it's been something I've been thinking about, just how people practice religion for you know over 20 years. But for me, this book really started back in about 2010 when I was writing an article that came out at, with the title Networked Religion for the Journal of the American Canon of Religion. Um, and so, you know, I've had these five traits for um, a few years that I've been playing with, uh, looking at how people practice them online and how that impacts um, or reflects more on not religion just in the digital world, but also how religion is viewed new ways in our digital culture. You know, it was important for me to bring in, you know, someone who's done some especially really interesting research in social media to help think kind of out loud and then think through this book about those traits about how, you know, at one time they were just be markers and now they're really becoming kind of the standard about how people understand religious practice in the digital age. And then think together with Wendy about some new um, avenues and new traits that seem to be emerging. So um, Wendy, for you, you know, you heard about these traits, we talked about them for quite a few years and then the book came about, you know, why do you think that this book is kind of not just interesting, but also maybe important for people, especially who are interested in digital religion? It's really important in this time and place because our lives are becoming more enmeshed online and offline, right? We, we're no longer living separately online and offline. We're merging the two and that's changing our faith and the way that we understand our religious lives in different ways. And it's changing the way that we practice religion. Um, it's changing the way we pray. It's changing the way we read sacred texts. It's changing the way we interact with our community members and understanding these, you know, characteristics really help us understand ourselves in deeper and more meaningful ways as religious beings. So, you know, for me, you know, it was great to kind of um, revisit some of my previous research and kind of look at some of my recent research in light of these different characteristics. Um, you know, the trait of network yeah. community is a theme that I've talked about over and over in, in my um, work. And just to kind of see how this idea of how religious groups build communities, not just online, but offline with these social networks um, that kind of cause different ways to actually connect with each other, different ways of communication, and kind of changing, you know, the traditional top-down, very um, set structure. So, you know, I talk about in my that chapter um, about kind of, especially some of the research I did during the pandemic and watching lots of churches, you know, make this digital transition online and how that changed how they saw community. But you were writing different chapters of the book. So what was your favorite chapter actually to write and research about? I think one of my favorite chapters was convergent practice. So really looking at how individuals, you know, use both online and offline resources in order to construct and understand their religious identities and to practice in different ways. And one of the reasons why I like this chapter is because we talk about its intersection with religious authority in different ways. So a lot of times people use online resources to kind of cultivate and pick and mix their own religious understandings and practices outside 
of the purview of religious authority. And so it becomes a very interesting relationship between convergent practice and religious authority. And that tension between who gets to decide what practices are authentic or not authentic. And so that chapter was really fun for me to write because I also got to explore the ways in which LGBTQ religious Christians interact and intersect on an online site that helps them converge that practice from online and offline places. So it gives them a space to understand themselves inside of a culture that isn't always accepting of them. And so I really appreciated that chapter because it gave me the opportunity to talk about an underrepresented group and the ways in which religion and technology is coming together in order to help them practice their own faith. Yes. Um, so you know, some scholars have talked um, and used the term third space, that the internet is this third space. It's kind of, you always know, got this aspects of the online that have imprinted the culture, but then it's this new kind of space. And so it allows people to kind of create new rules, new ways of being that can then be imported into these places. And I think, you know, looking at kind of how uh, people who are marginalized, not able to talk about their spirituality as freely in certain kind of spaces, um, allowing them to build those connections and then kind of strengthen their offline faith community, I think is really, really important. Absolutely. I think, I think, you know, the online space is, it just provides this opportunity to create community for queer believers who might live in rural societies. And the third space allows for them, you know, to kind of declare, I am here, I exist, and to find their counterparts that is so important for them as they live out their lives, you know, where they may not have offline support, but they can find online support. So in the book, we talk about some of these traits about how people practice community, represent their religious identities, kind of how religious authority is reconfigured and challenged. And we look at kind of how these online and offline spaces blend, as well as how these you know, practices converge into new forms of um, a spiritual expression. But we added a new characteristic that um, I haven't talked about in my work, but explicitly, but I know both of us have kind of thought about it for a while. And that's the trait of experiential authenticity, looking at this idea of, you know, what is authentic in a digital world, but also how our experience kind of informs um, how we think about religion in new ways. So could you tell um, folks about, you know, that, that was one of the chapters that you took lead on, what that trait is and kind of um, what you talked about in that chapter? Absolutely. So experiential authenticity is looking at how a person determines whether or not their religious understandings or practices that they engage with online and offline are correct or true. And these determinations of what is correct or true always take place within like the larger social discussions of like what is religious truth. And so when we look at the digital context, we see how it gives, you know, it gives us a new way to understand how we negotiate authenticity in these online and offline spaces. And generally personal experiences often take precedence as the deciding factor in how we figure out which practices are authentic or not authentic. So that's really kind of the crux of experiential authenticity. And in the chapter, um, I, I have a case study where we look at Buddhist memes and how engaging in meme culture is a place to really negotiate for what does it mean to be a Buddhist? What does that practice look like? How are we understanding what a real Buddhist is and a fake Buddhist is? And there's all these memes that kind of talk about that and they're kind of tongue in cheek, but they are actually speaking to 
larger discourses within the culture. And one of the things I think, especially for me rings true in this chapter is, you know, we're talking about how people kind of, you know, express authenticity and how it's um, really kind of based on their, their experience and the kind of the digital space they go into and the kind of rules of that space and how they can be authentic within that kind of that culture. Um, but, you know, this trend about people kind of people's experience kind of defining what's authentic versus kind of and some external kind of set of rules or an authority of government structure, you know, that's kind of becoming true, not just um, online, but offline. And that's one of the key arguments in this book that, you know, these traits, you see these online, but they're also becoming defining characteristics of kind of how people see religion maybe that's different um, than other generations of religious practitioners and spiritual seekers. You know, I think that this is going to be a very interesting and important book. And for me, it, it kind of sums up a lot of the research I've been doing over the last 20 years. But when you think about this book, you know, um, what do you think it says about the field and the study of digital religion? You know, is it does it say anything about maybe where is some of the questions that we need to think about or maybe what the next few years of research should um, look into? What do you think, Wendy? Yeah, I think the conversation needs to kind of continue paying, you know, attention to this rising enmeshment of online offline contexts and how people are actually engaging in religious ideas and practices. And, you know, we have innovative media technologies arising every day. So things change rapidly. And so within that kind of context, I think the the future of digital religion is really looking at different stakeholders that drive the way users engage with various platforms. So government, technology companies, other gatekeepers like programmers and engineers. Um, I think that's a really important avenue of research for digital religion in the future. And I think we need to continue as digital religion scholars to look at, you know, marginalized communities or communities that have been underrepresented um, overall, and then also within the research itself. That's something that needs to continue in digital religion research. There's a lot that's been done, but I think extending that and really focusing on that and drawing that out is going to be important for the future of digital religion as well. Well, we encourage everyone here to get a copy of Digital Religion, The Basics. It's come out with Routledge, uh, just published um, at the very end of 2022. So brand spanking new. And so we encourage you to get a copy and join in the conversation that um, we start there about the shape of religion in the digital future. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for being willing to collaborate with me on this book. And uh, thank you for your contribution to the field. Oh, thank you so much. It was my pleasure to work with you. And you are such a mainstay of the field of digital religion. It was just an honor to work with you. And thank you for inviting me to collaborate. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, and if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified of future podcasts. And be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite platform or share it with your friends. We hope you're leaving today with a better understanding about religion and conversational tools to talk about it. We look forward to seeing you again in our next episode. So until then, take, take care. care.